Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please take your seats. Um, the children can now make their way upstairs for junior church, if they've not gone already. We sang a song uh, just a little bit earlier this morning, that song where it says, move the unmovable, you know the, the words, and uh, was it immovable? Um, but there's a line in it that really struck me, which simply says, you have the final say. And I just felt there was something prophetic about that this morning. To, for some of you here, um, the devil is trying to have the final say over your life at this particular time. Or it might be some person within family or, or some situation at work. But I want to tell you that God is sovereign. And he is the God who has the final say over your life and your destiny. And you need to hold on to what he is saying to you at this particular time. So, Father, I just pray for anyone here this morning who feels in a place of conflict where others are trying to speak into their lives, where the enemy is trying to influence. Father, I want to pray in the name of Jesus that you will release anyone here who is being controlled in some manipulative way and that, Father, you will have the final say in their lives, in their circumstance, in family, whatever it is, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I want to share with you something this morning that I'm simply entitling Turning Disappointment into God's Appointment. I want you to go with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, and I want to read uh, just the first eight verses out of this passage. Isaiah, chapter 6. Isaiah was a very prominent Old Testament prophet, and this is what it says in verse 1 of Isaiah 6. It was in the year that King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne in his train of the road filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet and with two they flew. And they were calling to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, it's all over. I'm doomed. For I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among people with filthy lips. Yet, I've seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? I said, Here am I. Send me. I'm sure to many of you, it's probably a fairly familiar passage from the Bible. But if you look back over your life, whether it's been long or short, you would have had times when you have felt disappointed. Maybe disappointed over an exam that you failed. Maybe disappointed over a relationship that went wrong. 
Maybe disappointed when you missed an opportunity. Disappointed when somebody you trusted let you down. You may even feel disappointed today over the whole political system that has been governing our country and the way things have gone badly wrong. You may feel disappointed over prayers that you prayed and God has not answered. You see, being disappointed is perfectly normal, but disappointment is dangerous. John Andrews, in his book, Beyond Broken, he simply said this, disappointed is an event, disappointment is an experience. Now, Isaiah, here in this chapter that we've just read, was a young man, and his hero, King Uzziah, had just died. He had been a great king who began to reign over Judah at the age of 16, and he reigned for 52 years. He was a good, godly king, was Uzziah. He pleased the Lord. He purged the nation of its idolatrous behavior. He led them back into the ways of God. He sought the Lord, and the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 26, as long as the king sought God for guidance, God gave him success. He was successful in rebuilding the city of Jerusalem. He was successful in restoring the national economy. He was successful in warfare. He had a, an army of over 300,000 elite troops. But his success led to pride. And it caused Uzziah to sin by usurping the ministry of the priest, so God struck him with leprosy. And this king died in isolation. And so Isaiah is disappointed over the demise of his hero, somebody he had looked up to, somebody he admired, somebody he had trusted, a king who was in many respects, his hero, and now he faces this moment that this king has died and he feels disappointed. He's let down by somebody he believed in and somebody he trusted as his one-time hero. Disappointment defeats us. It stops belief. It kills dreams. It robs us of hope. We all get disappointed. But disappointment is a choice. It's a choice we make when we're disappointed. And Isaiah shows us in these few verses how that when we are disappointed, it can actually be turned into God's appointment. How does he do this? Well, some very simple truths that I gained from here that I'm going to share with you this morning to help us. Maybe you're feeling in a place where you're disappointed. Maybe somebody's let you down recently. Maybe the plans that you had made have all come to nothing. Maybe the hopes that you were clinging on to have suddenly evaporated. Maybe you're in a place this morning where you just feel disappointed over things that have gone wrong in your life. Learn from Isaiah and the way in which he dealt with his disappointments. The first thing that we need to learn is this. Get a vision of Jesus. 
Isaiah said, in the midst of all this, I saw the Lord. Now, the word Lord here is written differently because often when you see the word Lord in the Bible, it's the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. It is the name Yahweh. We were singing it this morning. God's name. But here, Isaiah says, I saw the Lord, capital L, small O-R-D. That word in the Hebrew is Adonai, which literally means my master. It was a term that a slave would use in addressing his owner. And when it's referred to of God, it speaks of God's sovereignty. It speaks of the one who is over all, in charge of all, who is reigning supreme. Whenever we face disappointment in life, we need to get our eyes off of the situation and catch a vision of Jesus, who is over it all. The Bible tells us in Hebrews, doesn't it? Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both finished and ran the race that we're in. And whatever we face, we can trust Jesus because he's over it all. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the King of Kings. He reigns and rules over all things. And whatever disappointment we might face in life, we can look to him and catch a vision of where Jesus is in our situation. You see, Isaiah was a man who saw things from God's point of view. He had eyes open to see what God wanted him to see. If you go back to Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 1, the very opening words of this book, it says this. These are the visions that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw. He saw visions during the years when Uzziah, Jothan, Ahaz, and Hezekiah were kings of Judah. Do you know what the difference is between a vision and a dream? A vision is when you're awake and a dream is when you're asleep. Yeah. He said that his eyes open. He saw what God wanted to show him. And as he saw it, he faithfully prophesied during the reign of four significant kings over the reign of Judah. What did he see? Well, what Isaiah saw was simply this. He saw that Jesus... He's above it all. I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Whatever you're going through at this present time, lift up your eyes and see that Jesus is above all of your circumstances. He is above every situation that you are facing. Jesus is above it all because Jesus is enthroned. He reigns over all things. He has the title that is revealed in Revelation 19 as King of all kings and Lord of all lords. He is reigning over all. And we need to remind ourselves of that because very often it's easy to take your eyes off of Jesus. Even though the Bible says keep your eyes fixed on him. We look at circumstances, we see what we're facing, and we can lose sight of the sense that Jesus is over all. But Isaiah also saw this. He saw that Jesus was filling it all. Because it says the train of his robe filled the temple. What does that tell me? Well, that tells me that Jesus is both in heaven and on earth. 
He's exalted in heaven, seated at the place of honor next to the Father, but he is also dwelling with us here on earth. I wonder if you need to refocus and begin to see Jesus afresh in your circumstances today. Who are those disciples who were in the boat one day with Jesus and they were crossing Galilee and suddenly this great storm arose and these were experienced fishermen. These were guys who knew what it was to cope with the storm at sea. But they thought, this is it. We've never faced one like this. And they woke Jesus up. And they said, Lord, we are going to drown. Don't you care? And you know how Jesus stood up and he spoke to the wind and the waves. He just said, calm down. Be still. That reveals his sovereignty. That reveals that he's overall and he fills all things. And that's the Jesus that we need to capture. That's the Jesus that we need to understand because he wants to be Lord in your disappointment because he's got an appointment to turn your morning into dancing so that your life will be filled with his purpose and his life. I don't go greyhound racing. I've never been greyhound racing. But I understand that greyhound racing is all about four dogs that are in traps. And then there's a, there's a hare that's released on a rail that goes round in a circle and they let the dogs out and they chase the hare. And the first dog to get over the winning line, the people that place bets, they win the money. Well, there was a greyhound race that started and within seconds of the race, the hare exploded. And one of the dogs kept running and broke his ribs on the side barrier. Another dog looked up at the crowd and gave a, a mournful howl and sat down. A third dog just didn't even bother to start, just put his head down and fell asleep. But the fourth dog just kept running. He didn't know why, he was just programmed to do it. The lesson is simply this, when you lose vision that gives you purpose in life, there's no longer anything to run after. And we live in a world where people live purposely, purposely. They live aimlessly, they've got no vision, they don't know what life is about. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, when we see him, we understand the purpose, we understand the reason, we understand what our lives are all about. And we need to be a people sometimes who just need to take a moment to refocus. To say, Jesus, where are you in my life at this time? Where are you in this circumstance that I'm having to deal with? And as we see Jesus and as we allow him to be Lord, he will lead us in every situation. So handling disappointment, firstly, let's see where Jesus is. But secondly, we need to hear the voice of Jesus. Because he says, then I heard the Lord asking, whom shall I send as a messenger to these people who will go for us? This was a critical moment in Isaiah's life. It is reckoned that this was actually his call to a prophetic ministry. 
From a young age, Isaiah actually learned to recognize God's voice. If you look in Isaiah 50, verse 4, this is what he says. He says, the master God has given me a well-taught tongue, so I know how to engage, encourage tired people. He wakes me up in the morning, wakes me up, opens my ears to listen as one ready to take orders. This is how Isaiah lived his life. God, what do you say? I'm all ears. I want to hear your voice. What is your word for me today? That's how he lived his life as a prophet. How good are you at hearing God's voice? In your times of disappointment, he will always have words of comfort and hope if you're tuning in to hear his voice. But how do we recognize the voice of God in, in the midst of, of all the other noise that goes on around us? Well, I want to run through six things, and I want you to have your Bibles ready. Can I ask some of you just to read out verses rather than putting them all up on the screen? Okay, how do we hear God's voice? First of all, we hear God's voice by Scripture. Psalm 119, verse 24, can someone read that? Verse 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and light to my path. God's word speaks to us today and every day. What does Psalm 119 verse 24 say? And then 2 Timothy 2 verse 19. Come on, let's be quick on the draw. Read it out. Your statutes are my delight. They are my counselors. Yeah, that's brilliant. Your statutes, your word is my counsel, my wisdom. Thank you so much. 2 Timothy 2 19. God's truth is like a foundation stone. Foundations are fundamentally important. You don't see them, but boy, they are vital. And God's word, God's truth is, is a foundation. We can build on it. We can be secure in knowing the truth of God's word. But also God speaks to us by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John 16, 13, the Spirit will guide you into all truth. But then also God speaks through a still, small voice. Isaiah 30, verse 21, maybe someone can find that. In 1 Kings 19, Elijah the prophet had run away. He was filled with fear. He'd seen a great miracle on Mount Carmel. Fire came down from heaven, but now he is terrified because Jezebel, the queen, says, I'm going to kill you by the end of today. And he runs away in fear. He hides in a cave. And once he's in the cave, there's an earthquake, there's a storm, there's fire. In the Bible says there's a still, small voice, a whisper. And the whisper was God saying, Elijah, what are you doing here? <coughs> this, this was the father heart of God. He knew Elijah was terrified. God knew Elijah was depressed. So he didn't come thundering at him, just quietly and gently. He says, Elijah, this is not the place I want you to be. God is gentle. What does it say in Isaiah 30, verse 12, 21? <coughs> Someone got it? Isaiah 30, 21. 
whether you turn to the right or to the left. Your ears will hear a voice behind you say, this is the way, walk in it. Yeah, God will always be there to guide us if we prepare to listen. Sometimes we just rush in thinking we know best, but there are times when we just need to stop and say, God, what are you saying to me in this situation? Tune my ear to your voice and God will speak. Sometimes just in a quiet way into our mind, into our hearts. Also, God will speak via common sense. Psalm 32, 8 and 9, maybe someone would like to read that. Our common sense tells us what's right and what is wrong. This government of ours has collapsed because common sense wasn't applied over issues that were wrong. Everyone else knew things were wrong, that they should not be done. But this government made some terrible mistakes and the Prime Minister not applying common sense. God has given us a mind to use and God's given us a conscience to know what is right and what is wrong. But what does it say in Psalm 32, verse 8 and 9? I will hear the Lord say that I will stay close to you, instructing you, guiding you along the path for your life. I will advise you along the way and keep you forth with my eyes as you die. So don't make it difficult. Don't be stubborn. When I take you where you've not been before, don't make me tug you and pull you along. Just come with me. Brilliant. Don't make it difficult. That's the passion, yeah. You love the passion. Don't make it difficult. Just, just respond. Understand what is naturally right and what pleases God. And then also we hear God's voice by the counsel of others. Proverbs 12, 15 says, by the, the, the multitude of counselors, there was great wisdom. I think that's what it says. And then in, finally, we hear God's voice through our circumstances. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 9, there is a great door of opportunity here for us. Let's walk through it. it, it the circumstance just said, that this, this is where God wants us to go. This is what God wants us to do. Sometimes your circumstances will be totally obvious. This is what God wants for my life. And God will make it so clear. He will align your circumstances so that there is absolutely no doubt this is really what God is wanting for you. You see, Isaiah said in Isaiah 51, verse 4, Listen to me, my people. Hear me, Israel, for my law will be proclaimed and my justice will become a light to the nations. This is the time for us to be hearing what God is saying to us in the nation. Rachel Hickson, in her recent book, said that God is sharpening our hearing so that he can make us his mouthpiece and carriers of his message. This is a listening season, a time to hear. What is God saying to you right now? We need to be a people who are tuned in, and Isaiah was tuned in. Whatever disappointments we face in life, let's focus on hearing, God, what are you saying in this situation? So Isaiah had a vision of Jesus. He heard the voice of Jesus, but finally, the final point was this vocation for Jesus. Because he said, Lord, here am I. You can send me. Isaiah has been called a messianic prophet. 
because he spoke more about the coming of Jesus than any other Old Testament prophet. And, and he lived over 600 years before Jesus walked this earth. But he prophesied more than anyone else about the coming of Jesus. And as Isaiah sees Jesus and hears the voice of Jesus, his heart responds, his Lord, I'll go and carry your message. Whatever you want of me, I'm willing to do it. The word vocation is quite interesting because it literally means a strong feeling that you are suitable for a particular career or occupation. And here Isaiah recognizes, God, I'm suitable. I'm willing. I think I can do this job that you're calling me to. I'll go and tell your people. I'll go and warn them. <coughs> I'll bring your word. Now, I believe that there is a vocational call upon each and every one of us. We are not here by accident. We are not placed on this earth randomly. God has got a purpose and a design. And Rick Warren puts it like this. He said, regardless of the circumstances of your birth or who your parents are, God had a plan in creating you. God never does anything accidentally. He never makes a mistake. Every plant, every animal was planned by God and every person was designed with a purpose in mind. So whether your parents plan to have you or not is immaterial. God had a purpose for you and your life as part of his plan. Paul puts it like this in Ephesians 1. Long before God laid down the earth's foundations, he had in mind and had settled, he had us in mind and had settled on us as the focus of his love. Have you discovered your purpose like Isaiah did? Let me show you a picture. As newly married, went to Bible college. In case you don't recognize Janice, you do. She's weathered really well. I look so different. It's because I've looked after her so well. <laughs> we went to theological college because we had a clear sense of the call of God upon our lives. Clear sense of vocation. God, you have shaped us and you have called us in a particular way. And one of the very first lectures we went in, we were greeted by words from a famous English cricketer. The early 1900s, became a Christian, played in test matches for England. He was a Christian and he went and served God in China. CT studies name, and he was the founder of the WEC movement, the Worldwide Evangelistic Mission Movement. And our first lecture, the principal got us in as young undergraduates, and we weren't sure what we were going to be facing. But I always remember these words. I've never forgotten them. I've forgotten so many other lectures that we received. But I remember these words. Only one life, it will soon pass. Only what is done for Jesus Christ will last. I've never forgotten. 
You see, we live for many things here on earth. We invest our time in so many ways and our energies we use. But I want to tell you, it's only what we do for Jesus that will have eternal consequences. What's your vocation? Are you doing what God wants you to do? Are you doing what God shaped you to do? Nearly 50 years ago, I first discovered a man called Peter Wright. He was working in social services in Southampton. And I was working in the civic centre at that time, as well as pastoring. And I heard about this man, Peter Light. Peter Light, Peter Light. And I started a, a Christian fellowship in the civic centre in Southampton. But I remember a time when Peter left social services because of the call of God upon your life and what God has shaped and called you to be. Not all of us are called into full-time ministry. We're all called. There's a vocation that God has got for every single one of us to serve his purpose and to advance his kingdom. I know this morning we have missed our worship team and Andy who's not at all well. But I want just to end by sharing a story with you on the screen by a guy called Chris Bowater. You probably would have heard of him. He's written some beautiful worship songs a man who's served God all his life in leading worship and in just pursuing the presence of God. One of the reasons that Andrew is so anointed and gifted is because Chris Bowater mentored him for two years. But in this little clip, Chris Bowater shares the story of his early life when he was not walking with God and then came to a moment where he discovered the vocation and calling of God upon his life. Just watch it as he comes up.
song for me is probably a song that began my whole walk as a worshipper, as a worship songwriter, as someone passionate about mission. I had been a walkabout. I had been a Christian, but I went a long way away from God while I was a student in London at the Royal College of Music. And I got involved in the world of jazz, playing in clubs, way into the early hours of mornings. But one such night, God spoke to me with a question. Chris Bowen, what are you doing here? And that question caused me to leave that band, the quartet became a trio. I walked out of the club. I walked the streets of London and I walked and I walked. And found myself, <clears throat> I found myself in Ealing, in London. And I ended up sitting in the early hours on the steps of a church, Ealing Pentecostal Church. And there I was doing business with God. I was battling with my own willfulness, seeking ways forward. What did, what did God mean? Aren't you not meant to be here? I have other things for you. And I remember saying to God, God, if anything with the life as a mess as mine was at that time. Here I am. That wasn't when the song was written, the song came a few years later, but that was the seed of the song. Please stand with me, please. As I am, so do the call of God. Who will go for us? Maybe someone is in the world. Anyway. That great testimony from Chris Holmes, who has blessed tens of thousands of people with his songs and with his ministry. It was only possible because he heard the voice of God say, Chris, what are you doing? He's in the wrong place. I'm going to challenge you today. Are you in the wrong place? Are you like Elijah hiding away, running away, knowing that God has got a plan for you, knowing that there's a vocation, a call of God upon your life that you've been refusing to respond to? God is a God of mercy. He never turns his back on us. He never gives up on us. As we sang this morning, he's a God of grace. Maybe for some of you today, this is a moment where God says, you need to alter the direction of your life. You need to respond to me and say, God, I'm here. You sent me. We sent Jack off to kingdom. Not all of us are sent to another nation. For some of you, God might just want to send you across the street or 
across the office floor. Who's that response? God, hear my, use me. Father, we realize that we only have one life. And we all know it goes so quickly. When we're young, we think we've got forever. But as we get older, we look back and we realize, wow, that's a time pass. But God will only use our lives to move forward. Whether that's in the office, whether it's in the building or the site, whether it's in the hospital, whether it's in some full-time ministry or whatever, God, we, we know that you have a vocation for each one of us. You have a calling and a purpose. And Lord, however many days we've got left, we want to live right. Isaiah, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm holy available. Please use me. Father, just help us to make the right response to whatever you're saying today. Jesus name. Amen. I'm not going to make a call to people to come with it, but if you feel you might any of us to pray with you afterwards, do come. We'd love to talk with you. I'm going to sing a final song as we conclude this morning. Thank you.